Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling. Happy to be with you this week to talk about a topic that you may not have thought about before when it comes to multifamily real estate, and that is no capital investment value add. And what I mean by that is value-add strategies that will increase the value of your multifamily asset. And again, this is true whether you own an asset directly and operate it. Maybe you have a duplex or a 20-unit property. Or if you're investing passively with a sponsor, these are strategies you may want to look for that your sponsor is following to add value without making an additional capital investment. That's what we're talking about this week. As always, if you have any questions, shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Lots of great content on the website. We'll be making some announcements here probably in the next month about some exciting updates we have coming to the website and much of our outreach and educational programs, including this weekly podcast, Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. So look forward to that in the next uh, few weeks. All right, with that, let's uh, let's dive in. Typically, when we do a value-add project, we are putting dollars into an asset and then expecting either a reduction in operating expense that'll result in an improvement in net operating income or an improvement in revenue in some way, shape, or form. Uh, give you an example. Uh, we have a property that has washer dryer hookups in some of the units we'll rent washer dryers. Uh, maybe we rent a washer dryer set for $50 a month. That's $600 a year of incremental income that more or less falls all the way to the bottom line in terms of NOI. If we were in a six cap market, that would add $10,000 in value. You net out how much it costs to actually buy the washer dryer and you're looking at 8,000, 8,500, something like that in terms of incremental value that's been generated. That is a typical value add strategy and one that we absolutely embrace. Washer dryers are one of our favorite things to do. We love the return, tenants love the convenience and find that price point very comfortable. What about making improvements to the value of the property? Can I get $1,000 a unit, $2,000 a unit, $3,000 a unit or more of increased value without putting any money into the property? And the answer is yes. And we've got four specific strategies we want to talk about today that do that. The first is 
let's just increase physical occupancy. If we can develop strategies in which the resources that we are currently deploying, so the advertising dollars that we're spending, the staff that we're compensating and so on, how can we utilize those dollars more effectively such that we can increase the occupancy of the, of the asset? If we have a property, we're just going to make something up here. We have a property that has $100,000 a month in gross revenue from rents, and we can increase occupancy by 1%. That's $1,000 a month or $12,000 a year. And at a six cap, which is what we just used for the washer dryer, that's $100,000 of incremental value that we just created. Or if this was a 100 unit property, an additional $1,000 in value for each unit that's out there, simply by improving the occupancy of the asset. Now, you might be looking at that and going, wait a minute, that's not really value add. Value add is when you make some change to the property that tenants are willing to pay more for. That is absolutely correct that those types of value add projects are value add. The whole idea, though, of value add is to change the operation of the asset such that we can increase either revenue or decrease operating expenses such that we improve net operating income and in doing so, increase the value of the asset. And a nice byproduct is we also generate additional cash from all of that. So physical occupancy would be one of the first places to look. Well, what if I'm 93, 94, 95% occupied? Pretty well occupied. There's not a lot of room for improvement there. All right, let's look at another category, bad debt. Maybe we are 95% occupied, our 3% of our revenues, so $3,000 of that $100,000, our 3% of our revenues never collected. Meaning that every month while I'm recognizing $100,000 of income, I actually, in the following month, write $3,000 of it off. So I'm not really making $100,000. I'm only getting $97,000. Can I improve that? We would say yes. Uh, a very solid number to get down to would be 1%. In the post-COVID world, we've seen numbers closer to 1.5% to 2% as the norm. So let's just say we're going to take our 3% down to 1%, pardon me, down to 2%. So we're going to make a 1% improvement in bad debt. Well, how do I do that? Well, no tenant rents an apartment with the intent of not paying their rent. Nobody wants to get evicted. Nobody wants to get behind on rent. Everybody wants to be able to enjoy the apartment they're living in. But some people's eyes are bigger than their pocketbooks, if you will. So we have rental qualification standards. Uh, and most, if not all, properties do. If you manage your own properties, you should have those. And if you're a passive investor, the sponsors you work with 
should be able to tell you about the standards they use. Now, some properties, for example, will use a income to rent ratio of two and a half to one, meaning that if the rent on an apartment is $1,000 a month, then the tenants in that apartment that fill out the application and sign the lease need to make at least two and a half times that or $2,500 a month. That's not an uncommon metric to use. One of the risks though associated with that is if you think about it, $2,500 a month, that individual or that couple or those roommates, whatever the scenario might be, might only bring $2,000 home after paying uh, payroll taxes and maybe some other taxes or maybe their portion of healthcare expenses, assuming that they have healthcare, which means they've only got $2,000 to spend every month. Well, now they're spending half of their take-home pay on rent. That puts those folks in the position where one bad month, one event happens, a car breaks down, uh, somebody gets sick and they have to pay a deductible on their health care to go to the doctor, and there's not enough money to pay rent. There are some properties, as I said, that use two and a half times and are very comfortable with that. You tend to see that a little more in the C class, but you will see it in Bs. We like three times, and that's not because we don't like tenants that only make $2,500 a month. We want to set those tenants up to be successful, and we think that's an appropriate standard to use as an example, along with others. In addition to that, when someone has an event like that happens, you want to work with them. Uh, it's the right thing to do. It's also good business, right? We don't want to encourage people to hide from us or to not tell us that they have an issue going on because we want to be able to help them. Maybe something has happened and that person's life has changed in some significant way. And we could talk to them about alternatives, maybe moving to a less expensive unit on the property, possibly even moving out in advance of their lease and still leaving them with a positive reference which can be done if they're current. So there's a lot that can be done to actively manage those kinds of situations to help reduce bad debt. That 1% reduction that I just talked about, again, would be about $1,000 a month, $12,000 a year, which again is $100,000. So there's two places where we just found $200,000 in value that we can add to our property without spending any more money, simply managing the property well. Now, the third item may or may not come into play. Many properties uh, use this next technique occasionally uh, and sporadically. Some use it quite a bit. There may be an instance, though, where uh, an investor, for example, we might come on a property that uses concessions quite a bit. Concessions are that $1,000 a month that I just referenced per unit for rent. Maybe the way you're getting to $1,000 is the actual rent's $1,100 and you're giving everyone a $100 concession per month in order to do that. 
Well, you're actually only charging $1,000, although your top line rent number looks like $110,000, but you've got $10,000 in concessions. Now, if that $1,100 a month is a real number, in other words, if that's what the market truly would bear, then a way to make improvements is to simply phase out the concession over time. And that comes in the same way that it would come if we were increasing the rents because of improvements that we had made. It's about helping tenants clearly understand the value proposition. Not all will agree with it, right? There will be tenants that will say, I'm not willing to pay $1,100 for a unit with those type of amenities. And that's fine. It won't be for everyone. If enough tenants, however, enough prospective tenants say, that seems like a reasonable price. I've looked around the market for those kind of amenities. I think that's fair. And I would like those amenities. I'll pay the $1,100. Then that concession can be phased out. So those three items, bad debt, concessions, and occupancy, physical occupancy, are all what comprise economic or total vacancy. And so driving down total vacancy is a wonderful way to very rapidly increase the value of the property. Now, it can just as quickly turn and head in the other direction. So this needs to be a concerted ongoing effort. And yes, there may be instances where in order to increase occupancy or to increase traffic so that you can have a tighter screening process and have less bad debt because you're bringing in more tenants that are comfortable and capable of paying the rent, that you may need to make some additional investments, some additional resources. Maybe it's a slightly larger uh, cam digital campaign, marketing campaign. Maybe it's an additional human resource, right? Uh, uh, part-time leasing agent or an additional leasing agent in the office. So there could be some additional dollars. In many instances, though, it's simply making sure that the dollars that are being invested in those kinds of expenses are being focused on things that are going to move the needle. So there's three items, but there's a fourth item as well. And that is simply continuing to move rents to what I would call the high average. And here's what I mean by that. If you take a rent roll, and for those of you that own your own properties, go grab your rent roll. For those of you that are passive investors, you can take a look at how your sponsor manages, pardon me, rent movement. And when you look at a rent roll, if the $1,000 a month per unit that I'm using in my example if everyone was at $1,000, well, then you've got everyone at the right rent. And if the occupancy is pretty reasonable and renewal uh, percentages are reasonable, then there may not be a lot of uh, incremental rent movement available. That's pretty rare. Typically, if you're at $1,000 for an average, You've got tenants at $900 and $950, and you've got tenants at $1,050 or $1,100 or even $1,200, and you might even have a few at seven dollars or $800, but it all averages to 1000 
Well, if there's a meaningful portion of tenants, generally more recent tenants, that have paid for that unit, then that's great evidence that in fact, in today's market, that's what the unit is valued at. And so a campaign can be undertaken simply to get everyone in the property up to that number, which might be a $50 increase or a $100 increase for many tenants and for some tenants could be two and $300. Now, some of those tenants may choose not to pay that kind of an increase and they'll move to another property somewhere or make some other decision about housing. And that frees up that unit to go back into circulation and to be rented to a new tenant at what you've already demonstrated to be an appropriate rent because you are getting that rent on new leases. Now, if you're not getting that rent, if you have 50 units of that type and you only have one lease that's higher than $1,000 and it was from three months ago the more and the more recent leases are all right at that 1000 that's fairly good evidence that $1,000 is pretty much where the market is right now. And that's really the final key component is you can move rents Ultimately, though, it's always about listening to the market and following what the market tells us to do. So those strategies could result in several hundred thousand dollars in incremental value equivalent to what we might see from installing washer dryers or some other actual amenity that's a physical installation that costs capital. And yet we've done this without putting any additional dollars into the property. If you have questions about how to do this on your assets, if you've got your own properties that you're managing, I'm happy to chat with you about that. If you are a passive investor and you're wondering, well, how would I know if any of this is happening? I would hope that your sponsor is reporting to you in sufficient detail that you understand what might be going on at the assets. If you'd like to understand more about what that looks like, when you're investing passively, or if you happen to be one of our investors and you've got some additional questions above and beyond the reporting we provide you, we're always happy to chat with you about that. Again, pat at marapolling.com. And please join me again next week for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Polling.